Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 23, Halftime. to Makers of Sport Halftime. This is the 20-minute show on the off weeks of interviews where I discuss topics such as professionalism, entrepreneurship, and business to help you in your careers so that you can apply it in the sports industry. For today's topic, I am discussing self-promotion and finding creative work, be that for freelance or for making connections for a full-time job. Now let me preface by saying that just because you have a good portfolio or you are super talented at your craft and you make really good work, that does not mean that people will know about you or even make the choice to work with you. There are two primary reasons for this which I will discuss today. One, no one knows about you. Nobody knows who you are. And number two, you might quite possibly be a jerk. Everyone wants to be discovered and appreciated and or paid for the work that they put into the world. Now, one could just Google the phrase getting discovered and Google will autofill popular searches such as getting discovered as a singer, as an actor, a fashion designer, a model, getting discovered on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on Instagram, or in cities, getting discovered in NYC and LA. Even getting discovered as an extra is one of those popular terms that gets autofilled. The world is full of anonymous people. So here you are. You've been doing tutorials, honing your skills, making a lot of work, and you have become very good at your craft. You head over to the latest website where people share their work to fulfill their like drug cravings. You post your project and no one says anything about it. No likes, no comments. Yet you see Sally Famous post something that subjectively you think isn't very well executed and she ends up with hundreds or even thousands of likes. Why is this the case? Why are people liking things that may not be that good? Well, for one, Sally Famous is known. And I personally believe that when famous people do things, we tend to get blinded by the names than by the actual execution of the work. Now, this may be quite controversial, and to be honest, I don't care. I try to look at things design-related through an objective lens, and I constantly see these, quote, famous creators posting work that is not executed very well and and possibly even subpar, but yet the rad and super cool comments are flowing on that particular project. Now, I'm not saying that I'm holding everyone at the, quote, internet famous level to a standard where they need to produce excellence every single time they put something out. They are human. They make mistakes like all of us. 
What I'm saying here, though, is that we need to be able to recognize that somewhere along the lines, this particular person did something that many talented people aren't doing in order to get the number of followers or likes that they have. Now, I can't tell you how many design, photography, or motion portfolios that I stumble across. I click their Dribble or their Behance link, and I see that they basically have no followers. Now, some of these people could be wrapped up in work at a full-time job, and keeping their work up-to-date or self-promoting isn't necessarily a priority for them yet. But if you are in the market for finding a full-time job, or especially finding business contacts and freelance work, then you need to be telling people about yourselves. And when I mention telling people about yourselves, I don't mean bragging, retweeting every single compliment that someone says about you or your work, or telling the world how great you are and how many awards that you have. I mean simply giving people an opportunity to know your personality and that you exist in this creative world and most of all, are available for work. So how can a person do this without being self-righteous or the braggadocio person I referred to? One way to do this is to share things that you have learned. Share how you do your work. What worked for you, what hasn't. Take, for example, this podcast. I am putting content into the world alongside my guests. I'm sharing my connections and my private conversations with those connections with you, the listeners. This is valuable. And through that, you have gotten to know me and my personality. And in some cases, we have even become friends or close colleagues. And in other cases, I've actually gotten work inquiries directly from this show simply by sharing my knowledge or having high-level discussions with these guests. Another example is our last guest, Fraser Davidson. People follow Fraser because he is extremely talented, yes. But before he got the following that he has now, he was sharing YouTube videos of how he creates his style of work. He even continues to teach today as he has a few classes on Skillshare. Now, is he worried about people taking over any of his work, clients, or the industry becoming saturated with his style? Absolutely not. You heard me ask him on the last show. He's confident in his abilities and the relationships he has formed over time. The old school mentality of business is that it is a zero sum game. Now what that means is that for you to win something, someone else has to lose. Now I think if you talk to most business people that may be a little older or possibly even not in the creative industry, the boomer generation, and, and I'm not meaning this to be insulting in any way, but simply business in the past was about secrets and getting ahead. And what you will see is an, is an unwillingness to share specifics of processes behind the scenes and things like that. And, and I think that's just the way that business was conducted back before we had a social digital world that we live in. People that see the world as zero-sum, though, they tend to live in worlds that are zero-sum. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts. They end up living in a world where everyone is skeptical of sharing information with them because they are takers, and they don't share. Now, I do not personally believe in the zero-sum mentality to be true in this internet age. There's a plethora of work available for us out there in the world, and much, much, much more to come. Only a small percentage of the world's population is connected to the internet. And not only that, from a device perspective, 
how big the internet is going to become, we are only working and consuming information digitally through the lens of tablets, phones, computers, and occasionally TVs. Eventually, most devices in our homes and in our lives will connect to the digital world. Imagine getting the scores of last night's games on your coffee maker. This is the future. There will be plenty of opportunity there. Now, an additional way to get discovered is to seek out speaking engagements, even small ones. You don't have to speak at something as big as South by Southwest or something growing and popular like Creative South, which I will actually be at this year. And if you're there, let me know. We will have to uh, have to get together. You can actually go speak at high schools or local business development luncheons, such as the Chamber of Commerce in your town. Tomorrow, I'm actually speaking to classes at my high school alma mater. Sharing what you know positions you as an expert in your industry, and you can bet that people will follow you and share your name if you are producing valuable content for them. Now, not everyone will share it. There are a lot of takers in this world. And I'm going to call some of you listeners out. If you listen to this show consistently and haven't shared it or written a review, you are a taker. But the ones who appreciate the content and feel somewhat obligated to share it because it is good and it helps others, these people will do this for you as well. Now, speaking of this podcast as an example of sharing, it is also a side project, a passion project. Side projects are a great way to get discovered. I started this for fun on my own, feeling my own need for engaging high-level conversation in this particular niche. I didn't do that for the money. Now, think about the other creative people you know that are possibly well-known. Chances are that they didn't get discovered by some particular craft, but by a similar side project that actually took off. We've had a few of these uh, folks on the show. Episode 8, Darren Crescenzi made a Game of Thrones poster that absolutely blew up. It made it to all the top design blogs and even non-design blogs. He did this for fun for himself as a big Game of Thrones fan. Episode 15, Matt Stevens got discovered by major brands, including Nike, from his Nike Air Max 100 project. Tyson Beck started creating NBA art at Posterizes because he loves it. Todd Radom continuously writes about sports design history. Chris Bazin has sports font foundry. Matt Hernandez has photo compositing tutorials. 8x8 Magazine is a side project for the design firm Priest and Grace. Actually, as I sit here and look at all the past guests at makersofsport.com slash episodes, the majority of these people have either side projects or they share some of what they have learned in their careers. And in other areas of design, Tobias von Schneider, who is an art director at Spotify, got discovered because he redesigned the traditional email interface. Now he is arguably one of those, quote, famous designers. I've said this before, but Jim Bankoff, the CEO of Vox Media, which is the company of episode 20 guest, Ted Irvin, recently stated on a podcast as I was listening that the way that designers, developers, and people that work on the web get discovered is that they just build something and someone finds it and they like it and then invites that person to come work on something bigger, a bigger project, whether that's at a company or freelance. We don't need anyone's permission to put stuff into the world as of today. If you give, it will come back to you in some way eventually. 
I also want to touch on networking. Networking tends to be a dirty word a lot of the times. We tend to think about networking as multi-level marketers, pyramid schemes. We can easily tend to loop in the guy that machine gun style hands out his business cards at some chamber of commerce luncheon. Networking can actually be invaluable for one's career if done the right way. For one, I've personally found that being genuinely interested in people's stories and hearing them out is, a value, is very valuable at networking events. Don't keep thinking about the next person you want to talk to or just simply waiting for your time to speak. Actually listen. You don't need to work the room. There will be other events. Invest time in the connections that you are making. They will become big advocates of you and your brand. And if you ever happen to work together, that's awesome. But if not, I'm sure they would have no problem introducing you to someone else or sharing your content. Follow up with the connections that you want to make that you really want to get to know on a deeper level. Now, they may not always have time uh, to reach after reaching out, but it never hurts. Give them something valuable, a link, an article, a book that you think will benefit them or something that reminds you of that conversation that you had with them that will help them. If they're popular, extremely busy, and highly requested, they will appreciate that and may possibly feel the urge to reciprocate in one way, which may be that $30 lunch that you buy for them in which they drop thousands of dollars worth of knowledge on you. Now, the one thing I find interesting is how many people say, let me get coffee to pick your brain. Well, people that are extremely popular working on huge projects and highly requested are going to give so much information in that, that one coffee that is not worth their time. And we tend to be arrogant thinking that we can just steal the time from these people. But if you do things like I requested, it may work. Now, these, this networking and this stuff may be tough if you are an introvert. I used to be quite introverted myself. And as an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs test, myself and people like me can sort of be summed up as extroverted introverts, which just means that I can function fine in social situations, but I do need a lot of time afterwards to process what I've learned and experienced before my next social situation. Now, a way around this is to find niche communities online where you can establish relationships and break the ice digitally before having to meet and talk to someone in person. There are plenty of these, and in fact, I'm actually building one here at Makers of Sport. Ultimately, however, you are going to have to battle to get over the fear of public situations. It will be like forcing your left hand to write when you are right-handed. It's not impossible, but it will be very hard. But I believe that it can be done. Communicating with other people is a vital part of business, and especially the creative business, as what we are ultimately doing is producing work that communicates ideas clearly and effectively. Now, the second reason I discussed a little earlier about why no one is hiring you might very well be because you are a jerk. Remember that people hire and work with other people. Business is built off of relationships. If you put off any kind of vibe that you'll be tough to work with, people will not hire you for internal or freelance gigs. So right now, go and check and see if your online presence presents you as a cynical or passive aggressive person. Do you tweet about how bad creative work is or offer negative, unsolicited, and completely subjective feedback about the latest team branding, 
without even knowing the strategy or having in-depth knowledge about the job? Do you troll sports branding or uniform forums? Silicon Valley tends to glorify jerk personalities such as Steve Jobs, who I am a huge fan of. I read his biography, plan to see any movies that come out about him in the future and have already seen the ones that are already out. He's undoubtedly a genius, but according to his own biography and the accounts of the many people that worked with him, he was notorious for being very hard to work with. He was a my way or the highway kind of person. Now this kind of story I can assure you is an anomaly and jerks or manipulative people will always get found out. Now I'm not saying that you can't be opinionated. I certainly am. Or you can't post the occasional snarky or sarcastic tweet. Or even tweet, retweet a proud moment or talk about a great achievement that you have. But if your social streams constantly consist of cynicism, super fanboy BS, or constant humble brags, I can assure you no one will want to work with you or hire you. So be mindful of what you say and what you put into the world if you want people to hire you. Next week's episode is an interview with Chin Wang. Chin is the creative director of ESPN The Magazine. She's a super talented art director, creative director, and editorial designer. I can't wait to do a deep dive on some of the things that she gets to work on at ESPN. As always, please like, rate, and write reviews of the show on iTunes. You can get there by going to makersofsport.com slash iTunes. I'll also accept likes or ratings on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever else you happen to be listening to this. As you know, I work hard to put this out there for you. I see the numbers. Don't be a taker. I'm not flooding you with ads like most podcasts. This podcast is not sponsored by the latest eyeglasses company or the latest blog software. You aren't the product here. The least you can do is take two minutes and leave me a review. Lastly, follow me, ask questions, or say hello to me on Twitter, and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash makersofsport. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week.